Thanks for spending time with Fusion Community Church through our podcast. These can be accessed anytime through iTunes or on our website, fusioncommunity.church. We hope you enjoy today's message from Pastor Andrew Fetter. Well, hey, last week we kicked off uh, kind of a, a mini-series of three weeks with those first four books, the first four words in the first book of the Bible, In the Beginning God. And this is how the Bible begins. This is how everything begins with God. This incredibly powerful, massive overseer, fully engaged. He's engaged in, in, in our being. He's engaged. He's outside of our reality, outside of our understanding of reality. And he's the one who actually created it and gave form to it and shape to it. The Bible begins by stating the source of all answers in the beginning, God. And then the next word written reveals incredible truths about God. The next word says created. In the beginning, God created. Basically, at one moment, there was nothing, and then in the next moment, there was stuff. We weren't there. We don't know exactly what it was like, but in one moment, there's nothing, and in the next moment, there's stuff. And what happens in the course of the creation story, as it's told poetically through the first few chapters of the book of Genesis, we discover that everything God created is good. It's exactly as he wants it to be, and then all of a sudden, humanity breaks it, right? We screw things up. We're good at that, amen? We're good at that. We, we choose ourselves, we choose our own desires, our own dreams, our own path, our own wants, and we're still doing that today. We, we disobey God's direction, because he's the one that has direction, because he has authority, he's the one that's created it after all, and we fracture creation. In the wake of what the Bible calls sin, you know, God's physical design for the world is broken. His physical design, man and woman now will die, they're sent out of the garden, and they're going to die. The ground is going to have to be tilled. The physical world is going to have to be tilled in order to yield crops for man and woman. God's relational design is broken, right? They used to walk with him in the garden in the cool of the day. And now all of a sudden there's a, there's a relationship that's, that's fractured between man and God. The, the relationship between one another is fractured. How do we know that? Because immediately when God says, why, are you, why aren't you naked anymore? Adam goes, it's her fault, right? Oh boy. Right? There is a break in the relationship on that day. Creation's design as a whole is massively fractured at the very beginning. This spiritual issue of sinful rebellion has the power to disrupt or pervert all of the good God had created this universe to be with us as his central prized possession. We're his children. And immediately as a result of sin, there's just this heaviness that now sits upon the whole world. Adam would have to work at a much deeper level and toil in order to provide for his family. Eve would have to bear the, the weight of pain in childbirth. And every human being that would be born after them would have to inherit this subconscious effect of self-centered cravings and rebellion against God. Last week we talked about the restlessness our soul can feel of constantly spinning and spinning and spinning and working and running and trying to get ahead and trying to keep up and and the stress and the pressure, never feeling like we can rest at the soul level. We might get some rest for our bodies, rest for our minds, but we just feel like we never get rest with the, at the soul level. We deal with shame and guilt of our failures and sins, and we deal with regret over things lost. And last week, we walked through kind of a practical demonstration of where and how you can find rest for your soul. So I want to encourage you, if you weren't here last Sunday, if you didn't check out the message online or on YouTube, and, and you say, I, I, I need to know more about this rest for my soul, Go and watch last week's message and accept the challenge I give at the end. It's very simple. It's very practical. It almost seems too easy, but it's exactly the pathway to find rest for your soul. Today, there's another condition of our soul that I want to dive into, and that's the heaviness of our soul. We know what it's like when we're lifting something heavy, right? 
Because if we get to a point where our physical ability is exerted, it's exhausted, and we drop it, we have to put it down. Uh, I, I've seen this firsthand in my, my three daughters. You know, they're, they're getting older and therefore getting bigger. And my wife has this really cute picture uh, of, of us as a family a number of years ago. I think maybe Savannah was five, so they were three and one, Kaylee and Addison. But we were in line at Pirates of the Caribbean and Disney World. And, uh, and it was a fairly long line. I just, you know, the younger ones were like, I'm tired of standing, Dad. And so I picked them up, right? And they were at that size so they could wrap their legs around me and I could just kind of let my, my arms hang, right? And I could hold them for a while. And I, in that time, probably 30 to 40 minutes of that, them falling asleep on my shoulder, holding them. And, and, and you know, they were 20, 25 pounds each. Today, when my daughters ask me that same question, they say, Dad, we're tired. Can you pick me up and hold me? I mean, I can carry them up the stairs still. I wonder how much longer that'll last, but I can take them up the stairs and put them to bed at night, and they, they like that, and I like that too. But if we're in line somewhere, and they're like, Dad, Dad, I'm tired of standing. Can you pick me up and hold me? I'm like, you might as well lay on the ground, because if I pick you up, that's where we're both going to be. Like, it's not going to be long. So just lay down, stretch out, get comfy, you know? I mean, we know what it's like to carry something heavy physically and reach the point of exert, uh, where we're com- our energy is e- completely exhausted and have to put it down. We know what it's like when we're facing things heavy emotionally, right? When someone's sick or or someone passes away or there's challenges at work and you're bringing that stress home with you or there's friction in a relationship, that emotional weight is real. We know what it's like, but studies continue to show us that as human beings, we don't really know how to process it well, how to rebound from it well, how to deal with it and face it. Most of us are guilty of stuffing it down, trying to dismiss it, trying to deny it, trying to move past it, trying to forget about it until all of a sudden it explodes out of us on somebody. So for a couple of weeks, we're not focusing on our physical body because our physical body is temporary. It breaks down and it dies. Although there's so much God has to say about managing and stewarding our physical body well. There, there's, there's many of us here, we, we know what it's like for that season where things don't work the same as they once did. Many of you, maybe you used to work out, used to play sports a lot, maybe you ran marathons and, and you just know your body is limited and strained now, can't do what it once did. And if you tried to do it at the level at which you did it, you'd be in the hospital or you'd be in bed for days, right? We're not focusing on our physical bodies for a couple of weeks. We're not focusing on our emotional health yet. That's coming. But we're, in fact, in October, we're going to kick off a whole new teaching series, and we're going to get into contact that, content that I've never actually really dove into to this level before. Touched on it time and again, but never dived into it with this detail. And we're calling the series Searching for a Better Life. We're doing that because all of us as human beings, every decision we make, every craving or, or desire that we say yes to or no to, we subconsciously do that because we think our lives will be better if we say yes. And we believe they'll be worse if we say no. And yet oftentimes we make those decisions and we look back and why is my life not feeling better? In fact, oftentimes we say well, things are getting harder, more difficult, more depressing, more lonely, more exhausting. There's more friction, there's more stress. And so we're going to search for a better life starting in October, and it's going to be totally directed by God's Word, but we're also going to come alongside and give you a ton of tools and resources, creating a whole separate page on our app for things for you to dive into and move as deep and intentional into the content as you want to. It's my hope that every single one of us would dive in completely. I know some of us are going to be skittish because there's stuff in the past you don't really want to face and you don't really want to deal with. And if that's the case, I just want to warn you, you're, you're trapped in baggage and bondage to the stuff of yesterday 
And the way to find healing from it is not to keep pushing it away, but to actually let God lead you into it. So we'll be diving into that here literally starting in two weeks in October. Until then, we're talking about the condition of the soul. We're kind of doing some prep work on the foundation. Maybe you felt that restlessness from last week. Maybe you're feeling the heaviness on your soul now. There's just a burden weighing you down in a spiritual sense. You may say, I believe in Jesus. I'm forgiven. I'm, I'm, a, sa- I'm a saved Christian. And yet there's this heaviness weighing me down. Or with the constant pace of our lives continuing to increase, and the added pressure and responsibilities facing the average family, with the growing trend of families where both mom and dad are working outside of the home and experiencing the stress and the drive to be successful and effective and contribute and be productive and then bringing all of that home, there is an increased weight we carry in our minds. It's no wonder why statistics regarding low-grade constant feelings of depression continue to trend upwards. I'm not talking about deep clinical depression, that's different, but I'm talking about people who just all the same time seem to have just a heaviness about them, an exhaustion, and they can't really figure out what's wrong. They just know something's not right. I want to pause for just a minute and let the Holy Spirit speak to you. Is this you? Have you felt that you can't, you can't put your finger on what's wrong, but man, there's just something that isn't right? I mean, we, we live at a time where there's so much available to us that past generations could even begin to fathom. We've been given so much available to us, and yet there's a deep dissatisfaction at the soul level of so many individuals, a longing for something more, a lack of hope, a lack of faith. Do you ever feel like some weeks you're just existing, barely making it through the constant schedule and struggles, not seeing that you're gaining any ground at all, but working and working and working and tirelessly trying and trying and trying and just feeling like your feet are stuck in concrete? This is the heaviness I'm talking about. The good news is that this state of being, it's not new to us today. It's not like a brand new thing that we've discovered in the ways in which we as humanity has continued to develop and grow. We're actually in pretty good company because there's so many throughout the pages of Scripture that carried that heaviness on them as well. In fact, let's visit the man after God's own heart, King David, in the Old Testament. And we're going to acclimate ourselves to how he was feeling one day when he wrote Psalm 42, verse 5. He says, why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? You ever been there? You think, man, what's going on with me? Why am I so heavy? Why am I so unhappy? Why am I uneasy? Why am I worried? Why am I upset? Why is my soul so disturbed? Why do I feel so alone? My goal today is to help you begin to kind of answer that question you occasionally wrestle with. I mean, some days you get out of bed and you kind of feel like you're in a little bit of a a rut, right? In a little bit of a funk. You don't know what's wrong, but you know something isn't right. And I hope today the Holy Spirit, through the power of God's Word, can give you a little direction of how to probe that, that idea, that thought, that feeling a little bit deeper and discover what might be the source of the heaviness. So for today, we're going to look at three sources. One source of heaviness can be that we're heavy with hurts from the past. When we go on the search for a better life, we're going to go into this topic a lot and often. But we carry past hurts forward with us, and it actually infects and even sabotages our future and our present. If you hear that statement, heavy with hurts from the past, and you immediately think, yep, that's me, that's me. Before you think, I'm a failure, I'm a disappointment, before you lower your head and you feel shame or frustration about that, guess what? You're in great company once again, because there's so many lives of those in Scripture who went through that, who experienced incredible, legitimate hurts scars from the past. Lamentations 3, Jeremiah shares of a time. And he says this, I remember my affliction and my wandering, the bitterness and the gall. 
I well remember them and my soul is downcast within me. Now I love the, the translation of the message paraphrase of this text. It says this, it says, I'll never forget the trouble, the utter lostness, the taste of ashes, the poison I've swallowed. I remember it all. Oh, how well I remember the feeling of hitting the bottom. Now these, these words sound like a guy who's literally falling apart, right? Like he's been there, he's got the t-shirt, he tagged the photos when he was there, right? And I would guess there's many in this room, you're carrying an ever-present heaviness in you based on past hurts. There was a friend that let you down, there was a spouse that betrayed you. Maybe you felt like your parents never really wanted you, never wanted anything to do with you. Maybe your kids are distant from you. Maybe there was a big lie about you dating all the way back to your childhood, something that was hidden from you, and you never knew it until much later in life and it caused major crises in your life. Maybe you had an opportunity to do something great. And you squandered it, and you've dealt with that regret. Maybe somebody that you worked with lied about you, did something false, and assigned it to you, and, and you couldn't escape it, and it was unfair, and you don't know how it could stand. Maybe someone you trusted took advantage of you. Now, here's what I want to do. I don't want to embarrass anybody. I'm not going to put a mic down front and invite you to come up and tell the gory details, but, but as a sense of just kind of admitting to God that, that we've got hurts in the past, and sometimes they resurface and they peek their head, and they cause us problems in the present, and anxiety about the future, I want to invite you to be honest before God. And you're being honest by raising your hand saying, yeah, there's some hurts in the past that I still battle with. How many of you would say, yeah, that's me? Yeah, it, it feels good to know we're not alone, but it's also good to raise a hand and say, God, I know that there's this stuff, and I'm asking you to help me. That's what raising a hand does. I want to give you a next step today that can help be very practical in dealing with the process of hurts and hangups that you've experienced in your life. In fact, it, it takes place tonight at five o'clock. Our Celebrate Recovery Ministry is kicking off the, the year with lesson number one in the, curric, the, uh, the Celebrate Recovery content journey. And they moved from Fridays to Sundays with the goal of hopefully being more available to people that have more time and, and, and availability on, on Sunday evenings than they might have on Friday evenings. So worship starts at five, there's a potluck dinner at six, and then the gold of CR, in my opinion, is the open share groups. And those start after dinner. And that's just an opportunity to just talk about whatever's on your heart, whatever's on your soul, whatever's heavy, whatever's making you restless. Just be honest. Nobody interrupts you. Nobody tries to fix you. Nobody tries to correct you. The whole point, the whole principle is just getting the junk out into the light and not struggling with it privately, secretly, where the enemy can wrap you up in lies and bondage. But just getting it out on the table, just being honest about it and letting God shine some light on it. Everybody's welcome on Sunday nights to celebrate recovery. This idea of recovery is not something that just applies into drug and alcohol addiction, although it includes that. But, but oftentimes in Celebrate Recovery, it exists to cover a wide swath of, of struggles we have in life, seasons we go through in life, where we just want to be able to talk about it openly in a confidential space as we're processing it. And then get the instruction of God's word and some testimonies to inspire us to trust God in the battle. There's another reason we have a heaviness of the soul, not only the, the hurts of the past, and that's many of us, but we're heavy with issues in the present. Maybe there's something going on right now at home or at work or in your neighborhood or with your younger kids or your adult kids. Something going on with your plans or an ongoing conflict with your brother or maybe it's your mother-in-law or, or maybe it's just you sit back and you look at the, the state of our country. You look at the, the, where things are. You look at the division and the polarization and it just breaks your heart and there's a heaviness. Where does this go? What's the ultimate end result? You know, I, I, wanna, I don't have this in my notes, but I just feel I need to say it. You know, I've had conversation, not, not with necessarily parents in our church, but, but conversation with people. It's like, man, I would just, man, why, I, I don't know if I'd want to have a kid in this climate and then have to grow up with this. 
If you've said that, you're, you're saying that you don't believe God ordains life and that God doesn't have a plan. It could be your son or daughter that's the one God uses to make a profound life-changing, eternity-shattering impact in the life of another person. That's what I'm believing for my kids, that my God has called them to this time, that it's not an accident that they're here, that I don't have to be, I don't have to be held prison to fear because I'm a child of God and my God has a plan for my kids and he has a role for me to play in their lives to help them not to stay kids but to become adults. We have to change the way we look through the lens of faith, not fear. You might be familiar with Job. There was a significant time in his life where every single day was filled with a heaviness that almost crushed his spirit. And the reality of struggle showing up in his daily life, if you know Job's story, it's described well in chapter 4. A guy named Eliphaz is speaking to Job and he says, Job, you've taught people, you've strengthened people, you've helped those who had fallen. You've been a good man, Job. You've made a contribution. You had everything in life under control. You were so blessed. And then in verse 5 he says, now trouble comes to you. Maybe this is where you're at. Trouble has come to visit you. Maybe it's been here a while and you're getting sick of it. Maybe you're feeling tempted like Job was under the weight of it. Maybe you've even flirted with just walking away from God altogether. In some way thinking that's going to solve anything. It's going to make the problems worse. There's so many of us right now, there's something going on and you're thinking, I didn't see this coming. I didn't plan for this. This was not in my five-year plan. I don't like this. I didn't want this. I didn't ask for this. But I also know I couldn't have prevented this. There's a lot of people, I believe, carrying around a constant dissatisfaction with the current state of their life. These ideas that, you know, I thought when I got to this age, I thought in this season of my life, I thought by now my life would have more meaning. I, th I thought I'd be more effective. I thought I'd be more successful. I thought my relationships would be stronger. You know, I just didn't think there'd be this trouble rising up in this season. I thought I would be able to glide through this season. And that leads to a heaviness on our soul weighing us down. I'll just invite you once again to push for transparency before God. You're saying to God, yes, I know there is something. There is a pressure on me in the present, God, and I also need your help with it. Just, just take that step of just raising your hand. Say, yeah, that's me. There's a pressure in the present right now, and it's, over, it's weighing me down, and God, I need your help with it. I'm just admitting it. It's good to know we're not alone with that. So maybe there's a heaviness on your soul from hurts in the past. Maybe it's a pressure in the present. Maybe it's the third source of heaviness. Maybe you're heavy with anxiety about the future because you wish... You wish that you wish that you wish you could play God and you could move the chess pieces around to guarantee checkmate. And so we're wondering, how are we going to make it through what's to come? How are we going to pay the bills when the debt is rising and our bank account is shrinking? How are we going to get everything we need done with a house full of kids that are still in diapers? You know, how, how are you going to make it if, if you get laid off or, or if the business closes because there's not enough employees to make it sustainable? And even Jesus, believe it or not, Jesus himself, there was a moment where he looked ahead to the pain that he would endure when he would carry the weight of our sins on the cross. And there were moments where he was tempted in the same way that we're tempted to say, no, God, it's just, it's just too heavy, too much to carry. I'm done. Jesus in Mark 14, he says this, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Abba, he said, everything is possible for you. Take this cup of suffering away from me. I mean, Jesus, in the Garden of Gethsemane, mere hours before his journey towards the cross would officially begin, wrestles with God's will. He wrestles with God's timing. He wrestles with the plan that would accomplish the penalty being paid for sin. He says, Father, this is heavy. I don't know if I can carry this. I'm scared. I'm willing, but, but my flesh is weak. Is there any other way? Is there any plan B that I don't know about? Is there any other way to accomplish this victory without me going to the cross? It was the prayer of Jesus' heart in anguish. 
And being God in the flesh, he knew. He knew there was a time coming when he'd hang on that cross and the relationship, in the same way that in the Garden of Eden, our relationship with God was separated through sin, that when Jesus the Son would carry the sins of the world on the cross, there would be a moment that God in his holiness would have to, there would have to be a schism in the relationship with the Son, and it would feel like to Jesus that God had forsaken him, that he'd abandoned him, that he was gone, because they'd never experienced that before. Father, Son, and Spirit always being one. And there would be this separation that would, that would come to be reality. He said, I just don't know. And we can hear in Jesus' voice, he's distressed. He's troubled. And, and what's the word he used? He didn't say, my mind is overwhelmed with sorrow. He didn't say, my emotions are overwhelmed. He didn't say, my body is overwhelmed, even though he's sweating blood in the garden. He says, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. It'd be better to die right now than to have to keep putting one foot in front of the other. And I would just say, if the Son of God had a moment like that, my soul's overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. I'm anxious about what's coming. If Jesus experienced it before the cross, that one time in such a severe fashion, and it's recorded for us to reflect on, I think it's okay for us to wrestle with it hundreds of times, to continue to battle it. There might be that heaviness you feel you can't escape. Maybe you've lived with it for so long, you don't even know what to do without it. And unfortunately, maybe you've gotten to the point where you just think this is how life is. It's just the way it is. I just have to live with that heaviness. And that is not the more and better life God's promised. Maybe, maybe for you, the heaviness is something that's just so real in our culture and it's financial heaviness. Maybe this has been an incredibly challenging two-year period that you're still living through, and maybe for you it's affected you financially in a big way, and you don't know how to get past it. Maybe that heaviness is, is a financial pressure, and you feel like, you know what, I'm getting a master's degree right now in financial pressure university, right? Well, I want you to know starting next Sunday, every Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. in the room right behind the worship center, it's not financial pressure university that's being offered. It's financial peace university. And it doesn't matter your story. It doesn't matter the things that have happened outside of your control or the things you neglected that were within your control. It doesn't matter the background. It doesn't matter your context. I promise you, if your finances are an area of constant stress for you right now, the next nine weeks can totally change your life with every breath in your lungs for the rest of it. In fact, I want, to, I want to take three minutes and just share with you just a, a piece, a taste of the content of Financial Peace University right now that you can kind of get a sense and, and see, does the Holy Spirit say, oh, this is you. Oh, I got something for you, and it's happening starting next Sunday. Check this out. For close to 20 years, families have been changing their futures through Financial Peace University. I started it with a bad suit and an overhead projector. I set the room for 135 people, four people came. And now today we've had over one and a half million families go through this course. That's over two million people across this nation. You may be wondering, what is it? What Financial Peace University is about is a return to God's ways of handling money, but in a very practical, step-by-step -step game plan showing you exactly how to do it. FPU is about learning how to control your money. When you make these dollars behave, you're going to get this sense of power over your money that you've never, ever had. Don't move into a home with 62 debts or six debts or, or two debts and no money. You move into a home broke with a bunch of debt around your neck, Murphy will move in your spare bedroom, bring his three cousins broke, desperate, and stupid. Marriages are being made stronger. 
Couples are learning how to talk to each other about money and getting on the same page. The closest statistical correlation to success going through this program are those that actively engage in this budgeting process, and for those that are married, they're doing it together. You change your life when you get sick and tired of being sick and tired. When you get disgusted and you have that moment where you say, I've had it! I am not going to live like this anymore. We're done. We're changing this thing. Talk about the why. Talk about your dreams. Ask your spouse, what would we do? Where would we travel to? What would we buy? What would be changed if we became something as a couple where we were working together on that? Now, man, I'm sure you know this, and we've been talking about it for the last few minutes, but it's very true. Women are different, aren't they? Say yes. One of the things you may or may not know is they have a gland right in here that you don't have. It's called the security gland. And when she is feeling insecure due to money issues, that gland spasms. And it is attached to her face. This nine lesson, 90 minute class will challenge you. Now this is a boot camp. I'm your coach. And so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make you uncomfortable sometimes. You're going to go home and go, I don't really like him tonight. Now, now, if I agree with that, which would make you wrong. That's what happens when the coach coaches you, doesn't it? He kind of rubs you the wrong way. There's a little friction on there, right? I've had some good coaches, and they lit me up a time or two. But it caused me to go places I couldn't go otherwise. Life change is never easy, but you won't be alone. You'll watch a DVD each week and discuss it with your small group. Your classmates will encourage you and help you take those first steps. You'll walk away from FPU knowing how to relate with money. You'll learn how to pay off debt and save for the future. And you'll learn how to protect your plan. We aren't born knowing everything we need to about money. We learn, and there's no better place to learn than the Word. The Bible offers more than 800 scriptures on money, and Financial Peace University is based on that solid foundation. You are literally going to be doing things every week differently than you ever have based on biblical principles. And things like doing a budget, things like working with your spouse, things like singles having an accountability partner, things like teaching your kids so that a godly man leaves an inheritance to his children's children. It's not theory. This is actual application on everything. What would happen if the people of God started handling money God's ways? What would happen? If the, what would happen to the kingdom of God if the people of God were out of debt? All you need is a plan. Financial Peace University is that plan. Did I turn it off? Was it, that was your fault, Corey. If you didn't know, there's kind of like an unspoken... Well, it's, no, it's very spoken, I guess. Uh, Even if it's obviously our fault, like it was there. I know, you're muting me. It's fine. He hasn't run sound in months. Now he gets to enjoy it. So, Hey, you can sign up on the app right now. It's $60. It's not a cost. It's an investment. If this is an area of your life that maybe has always led to pressure and stress, uh, Jesus wants you to find peace in this class. And the people leading it have found peace and found Jesus and the Holy Spirit through this course in their own story. And they'll get to share some of that as well. But whatever area you might think the heavy weight on your soul is caused by, past hurts, present stress, fears about the future, I believe God would say you don't have to live that way any longer. You don't have to live in constant pain. You don't have to have that heaviness of your soul when you feel it rising back up. So then the question is, well, how do we address it? How do we attack it? I read to you earlier a verse from Psalm 42 about this heaviness. 
I want to read the end of it because I kind of teased you. I just read what the beginning was. This is David in Psalm 42. He says, why my soul? It's like he's having a conversation with his soul, something I think all of us should do regularly. Why my soul? Are you downcast? Why are you feeling this way? Why is this going on? Why so disturbed within me? He senses the heaviness and he's trying to engage it. And so he starts to preach. He says, soul, have you forgotten? Put your hope in God for I will yet praise him my Savior and my God. Quit your whining, soul. You're being a baby. Put your hope in God, not in the temporary struggles that happened in the past, the things you're carrying forward, not the things happening now, not anxiety about the things that might happen tomorrow. Stop allowing joy and peace to be sabotaged by the bondage of temporary circumstances. But soul, choose to put your joy and your peace and your fulfillment in the one who can actually deliver it, your Savior. Some of you, it's time to start preaching. And I'm not saying preaching on a stage to others, but preaching to yourself. It's time to change your self-talk, what no one else hears, but only what happens in your mind, to preach to your soul what's true and what will inspire your faith in God, not what will inspire the stress and the anxiety to continue. I want to give you three simple steps to attack the heaviness. And they're going to make sense. Once again, they're so practical, it seems too easy, but it's true. It works. And at the center of this has to be a rooted faith. This is not like a, if you do this, it will happen. It has to stem from faith, from belief. You have to identify what you're not believing and step forward with your, at the soul level and say, okay, this is what I believe. I believe God will never fail me. I believe he'll never leave me. He doesn't turn his back on me. He doesn't know how to fail He's always faithful. He's always with me. No matter how heavy things get, God is there to help me carry the burden. He even invites me to pass it on to him. So when past hurts rise up, things from the past, and, and remind you of your baggage, tell your soul to remember God's faithfulness in the past. Counter the fears and the stress and the baggage of the past with God's faithfulness in the past. Take control of the way you're thinking and stop moving in that direction of baggage. Call to mind faithfulness. David shifted gears. So why are you so downcast? Wait, I'm not going to keep doing that. He's like, why is it so downcast? No, still, I will praise God because I know he's faithful. Jeremiah did the same thing in Lamentations. This is another one I teased you with. I read two verses. Lamentations 3 says, I'll never forget the trouble, the utter lostness, the taste of ashes, the poison I've swallowed. I remember it all. Oh, how well I remember the feeling of hitting the bottom. But then he makes the choice to shift gears in his mind. And he says, yet this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope because of the Lord's great love we are not consumed, for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. I say to myself, the Lord is my portion, therefore I will wait for him. David and Jeremiah give us a model for battling those thoughts. Basically what they're saying is that the body, it wants to remind, remember the hurts and the pains and the struggle. That's that carnal side of us. The enemy wants us to recall those things. He wants to influence us, influence us to live under the weight and the bondage of the things of the past. But Jeremiah is trying to beat his body and his mind into submission to his soul. And he's choosing to focus on God's faithfulness and his goodness. Now let me be very clear about something. Sometimes we can miss this. Faith alone, faith alone will not bring healing from all past hurts. Faith alone will not bring healing and, and, and strength from, from present stress. Faith alone won't deal with fears regarding the future. Faith brings hope. It brings strength, it brings courage, it brings God's presence and, and power to face those things. But faith without works is dead. 
faith won't bring complete healing. Jesus himself tells us that with faith, in faith, there are things God will lead us to do, to respond with, that help usher in and bring healing. There might be someone, as you're dealing with stuff of the past, you've never actually forgiven them. There is only so far you can go in healing if you hold on to unforgiveness. You may come to a point where you have to let it go and trust it to God. And you know they don't deserve to find healing. You might tell me their story, and I would agree with you. They don't deserve to, find, to, to have your forgiveness. But neither do we with God. You might need to repay someone that you stole from to find healing. You might need to confess your sins to God. You might need to confess your sins to someone else to find healing. You might need to go and serve someone in humility that you don't have to and you don't want to but God is saying you need to serve them anyway to find healing. You might need to be patient, be kind. You might need to be a peacemaker in an otherwise uh, difficult circumstance. You might need to exhibit and grow in self-control to find healing. I would say you probably need counseling to find healing. I would say you probably need accountability from a brother or sister in Christ to find full healing. And I would say it would be very helpful for you, depending on the area that you're struggling with, to become a part of Celebrate Recovery or to participate in Financial Peace University or to find a disciple-maker group this fall to be locked into relationships with brothers or sisters in Christ. Whenever you feel tempted to wallow in the pit of depression of past hurt, make the choice instead to remember God is always faithful. He hasn't left me alone. That's the first step. The second one is this, cry out to God constantly in the present. When you're dealing with stress in the present, cry out to God constantly. This is what David did in Psalm 142. He says, I pour out before him my complaint. Before him I tell my trouble. I cry to you, Lord. I say, you are my refuge, my portion in the land of the living. Listen to my cry, for I am in desperate need. God invites us to cry out to him. David gives us a good model of regular interaction with God. Following up from last Sunday, make daily interactions with God a regular practice in your life. If you took that challenge over the last six days since last Sunday, continue to do it. And continue to see how it changes you and how it gives you peace and it gives you joy and it gives you strength and it gives you perseverance. No matter what you're facing, cry out to him. Don't feel, don't feel bad about that. Don't hold back. If you're confused, if you're angry, if you're upset, let God know. He knows it already. He's just inviting you relationally to come before him and share it with him. See, I believe beyond a shadow of a doubt that some of God's most beloved moments with us as children is when we cry out to him from the depth of the soul. When we just want to kind of crawl up into daddy's lap and ask him for help. In those times, we're taking big steps of more dependence on God because we realize we can't do it independently anymore. Our faith is growing. And we're inviting God to meet us where we are, drawing closer to the king. I believe this is true because I know for me, some of my most treasured moments as a dad are just those moments. Just yesterday, one of my daughters was really struggling with something. She had made a mistake, um, and, and her mom and I were disappointed in her decisions, and she knew she was wrong, and she felt that shame for her sin, but yet at the same time, she was trying to defend it and justify it and contextualize it, and it led to more stories and lies being told. And so at this point, she's just weeping loudly. And in that moment, I looked at her, and, and I, was, I was upset with her, yes, as her dad, disappointed. And yet I just hear, heard the Holy Spirit whisper, Hold your little girl. She needs her dad to put his arms around her and let her know that in the middle of her shame and her guilt, in the middle of her struggle as, as a young person trying to figure out how to be honest and to trust her mom and dad, she's battling with this shame and sin and she just needs to know she's loved. And so I, I said, come here, come here. And I opened my arms and she just kind of collapsed into my arms and I whispered to her, I love you and nothing's ever going to change that. Nothing. 
And then she cried in my arms. She said, I love you too. And these are the moments we need, church. These are moments when we turn to our Heavenly Father and we let Him hold us and we weep with His arms wrapped around Him and we hear Him whisper, I, I know you're hurting. I know you're suffering, but I love you. I'm with you. And you just need to know you can't get rid of me. You can turn your back on me and try to run the other way. And I've got, I've got news for you. I keep following you. You can't get rid of me. It doesn't matter what you've done wrong. It doesn't matter how intentionally you try to do things that are wrong to create a division between me and you. I'm not going anywhere because my love for you is not predicated on your behavior or what you've done or what you haven't done. My love is predicated on the fact that you're my child. And I may be disappointed and I may be heartbroken because I know the decisions you're making are going to mess up your own life. But I'm not going to pull away. I'm actually going to draw in closer so you know that you're loved. Remember His faithfulness, His goodness, His intervention in the past. Cry out to Him in the present. And then lastly, trust in His power and presence for the future. Is, sure, Robin. Yeah, that, that's the Holy Spirit letting you know you're loved, that He's in control, that He's got them. No, no. Thanks for that encouragement, Robin. Faith is vital. We have to identify our unbelief and we have to attack it with what we believe to be true. Rem remembering his, his faithfulness in the past, crying out to our dad in the present and trusting in His power and His presence the future. We're going we're gonna to close with a song Yes I Will. Go ahead and put up that first slide for me there Renee and, and the lyrics to this are just perfect. That yes I will yes I will praise him even in the valley. I count on one thing, the same God that never fails. He hasn't failed me yet. He hasn't failed me yet. So if you want to sit and worship sit and worship. If you want to stand and worship we're just going to sing this song together. Thank you for today. Thank you for the opportunity we have to, to worship you um, wherever we are. Um, God, it's, it's a privilege that we have this technology that we can use to, uh, to reach people for you. And God, I just pray for those 
that are watching with me here today, I just pray that you would be with them, that you would touch them in, in, a, in a great way this week, that you would bless them this week. And God, if they're carrying any heaviness, God, I just pray that you would just um, continue to to continue to be with them, God, to, to let your spirit just dwell within them, God. Um, we, we just thank you and we praise you for who you are, um, that, that you sent your son to die for us. Um, and God, I just, I just thank you for this opportunity we have. And it's in your son's holy name I pray. Amen. Well, thanks again for joining me. Uh, it was great being able to hang out with you uh, today. And I hope to see you next week.